morning, Bethel. Like Chris said, my name is Eugene, and it is a joy to serve here as a pastoral residence. As you know, we've been going through the study of the book of Proverbs together, and this morning we are going to be on Proverbs 4. I'm going to read it, pray, and then we're going to hear from God. Proverbs 4, if you're using the Bibles underneath the seat in front of you, is on page 530. Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 20. It says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For there are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Amen. I want to tag the sermon this morning. Keep on going. Keep on going. Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Heavenly Father, whom we know as Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Lord, only you can open our eyes to see you and experience you afresh this morning. So as we gaze upon your word now, help us to pay much closer attention to it and to receive it as such. Lord, as I attempt to serve your very own people today, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Speak, O Lord, for your servant hears. I pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the mighty friend of sinners. Amen. There was a true story about a couple who dreamed to travel across America during their golden years. They sold their house and bought top-of-the-line RV. They took and considered their trip very seriously. They invest, invented, invested time in the lesson on how to drive the RV, how to park it, and navigate their massive vehicle as they prepared for their great journey. 
The husband began driving the RV, but eventually became tired. He asked his wife, would you mind taking the wheel so I can take, take a rest for a moment? Which, of course, she replied, yeah, sure, I got you, honey. Eventually, his wife got behind the wheel, turned on the RV, and aimed to turn on the cruise control as they continued to drive down the road. At first, everything was going fine. The wife was staring out the window and, uh, and enjoying the beautiful scenery. However, she decided that she needed to go to the bathroom. She did not want to bother her husband, so she got up and walked to the back of the RV. Now, if you are listening carefully, you may be asking yourself, wait a second. Her husband was sleeping, right? So who's driving the RV? Very good question. No one was driving the RV, which caused the RV to crash and completely be total. Thankfully, the couple were not injured, not severely injured. The police showed up, and the wife told, that, told the police that she placed the RV under cruise control. But it turns out there was only one problem with that statement. Because according to the evaluation report, the RV, their RV, did not actually have cruise control. She wanted, or she assumed that the RV had cruise control, but she wanted to let the RV drive itself with her not doing anything. Why did I begin this message with such a story? Because sometimes we as Christians have the tendency of having similar kind of mindset, where we think the reality with which we live in is some kind of a cruise control type of life. Assuming everything will be all right, when we walk in the faith and not strive to work out our own salvation. Just like we heard from Philippians 2 a few moments ago. That everything with our spiritual life is a smooth ride. The Christian life is not an automatic life. It is a life that encourages us that we must aim to press on through obstacles and challenging times. We must aim to press on and fight to modify the bondage of sinful flesh. We must aim and press on and fight and trust God for flourishing relationships. We must aim and press on and fight to gain daily inward joy in the Lord. Throughout the Christian life and in all the situations of our lives, we are encouraged by authority of God's word 
to press on, to fight, and to keep on going with a promise that all will be well in glory because of Jesus Christ. Our walk in the faith indeed is a long, bumpy journey. It is a walk of heavy burdens, storm of trials, just like we heard from Dietrich, suffering, and many evil deeds. But it is not a reality of thinking that things will work themselves out. We must strive to keep on going by relying on the divine help of God, the Holy Spirit, through the power of his word. We must strive to keep on going, trusting in the God of peace who promises that he will always be with us in the way. So the actual question is, the question that we should consider to ourselves is this. How do you and I keep on going? Well, according to Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 27, you are going to see and hopefully be encouraged that you need to hold very closely to God's word to help you keep on going. That's the summary statement of our message this morning. Hold very closely to God's word to help you keep on going. In these verses, Solomon emphasizes that the, emphasize the heart of wisdom as a way to command his son to keep on going. But before that, we've seen already from the outset of this study in the book of Proverbs that we, all of us, need to live our lives wisely through everything that we do with the goal of having reverential awe of knowing who the living God is. And the point of that exhortation was to remind us to live our lives wisely in the fear of the Lord. We've also been encouraged to turn away from evil, uh, meaning we, that we need to repent from doing evil deeds because we cannot go home, which is heaven, eternal glory, by going the wrong way. The encouraging wisdom was that if we turn away from doing evil deeds, there is a promise that we will have everlasting life with the God of all wisdom. And if you seek or strive to seek this wisdom from above, you will for sure find the God of wisdom. Only in God you can understand every good path because his wisdom will become the direction that would protect you from the evil ways. And also, we heard last Sunday to humbly and wholeheartedly trust in God, and he will direct and bless our path. This morning, in our passage this morning, 
the reminding exhortation again is to hold very closely to God's word to help you keep on going. So as we consider that idea, we see how Solomon commanded his son by telling him the ways he needed to keep on going. Side note, the phrase my son in Proverbs can be translated to mean my student or my child, which indicates that this proverb was a written wisdom of instructing everyone in every season of life. And so I am going to use the phrase my son more often because Solomon used the phrase my son more often. Just throwing that out there as a side note. So what did Solomon tell his son to do to keep on going? Well, he told him to keep on going by commanding him to be attentive to his words, to guard his heart by the word with a desirable aim to insert the words, the word always in his heart to help him be vigilant and to stay away from crooked speech. And he also commanded him to be steady on the path by keeping his eyes and feet straight forward. See, Solomon gave these commands to his son because he knew that what the heart entails. The heart is the surrounding core of revealing who a person truly is. It is the source of identity. If our heart is wise, our character will be wise. And if our heart is folly, our character will be foolish. And as a warning and encouragement, we know from the previous sermons of the study that folly leads to death and wisdom leads to life. This wisdom that leads to life is skill for living in this world as God intended it. I like that definition. I didn't come up with it. Chris did. And I like it because our aim of seeking wisdom from above through the power of God's word is intended to help us live our lives wisely in God's world. You and I are not called to live the way we want to live. We are called to live the way God wants us to live. And if you want God to be the center of your life, then you should gain the joyful ability to have the relational desire to seek him with an intention of communing with him. So my exhortation for you this morning is to strongly remind you to hold very closely to God's word to help you keep on going. As we look more closely at our text this morning, the question again is, how do we keep on going? Point number one, be attentive to the word. Be attentive to the word. 
Look again with me in verses 20 to 22. It says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For there are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. In these verses, in some sense, might feel and seem as if Solomon was specifying the same repetitive instruction. In the previous chapters, we see how Solomon encouraged and commanded his son from the beginning of this proverb. Chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Chapter 2, verse 1, My son, there is a promise if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Chapter 3, verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Chapter 4, verse 1, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. Chapter 4, verse 10, Hear, my son, and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. In the next chapter also, chapter 5, verse 1, My son, be attentive to my word, my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. Why was Solomon so emphatic in all of this? Because he was driving to the force of intentionality. So when he said, be attentive, what he actually meant was, pay attention or listen up. But be attentive to what? The text tells us, my words, not anybody else's words, mine, my words. Whatever I am telling you, son, pay attention to that. Very personal. Sounds very personal. Very intentional. Very personal, uh, relational. Think about it for a second like this. If you are a teacher or a parent this morning, and there is a scenario where you needed to instruct your child or your student to be attentive. What is your initial reaction for telling that to them? I believe your intention would be for them to give heed to what you are trying to tell them. And I believe your intention would be for them to practically act upon what you are trying to instruct them, instruct them to do. Here, Solomon had the same kind of aspect. That is why he pressed on to say, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. What words was he talking about that he wanted his son to hold very closely to his heart? There are many wise words he said, there are many wise words he commanded. But these words 
that he wanted his son to be attentive to were essentially words of wisdom from above, uh, words to help him know God in a much more personal level. Because we've seen thus far that the hinge or the model of this book is found in chapter 1, verse 7, which is the fear of the Lord as the beginning of knowledge. And we saw it again in chapter 2, verse 5, that it is about understanding the fear of the Lord and finding the knowledge in God. Again in chapter 3, verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Friends, the goal to be attentive to the word is not about checking boxes. It is not an idea of seeking to engage with God in his word for mere intellectual class. I like how Jerry Bridges articulated about this idea when he effectively wrote, Christianity is not a do-it-yourself thing. It is not a series of do's and don'ts, but conformity to the character of God and obedience to the will of God. Bethel Baptist, to keep on going, is always seek wisdom from above for your personal benefit to fear God and to know him more increasingly. To know his character, to know his majesty, his holiness, and to trust in his sovereign grace. But not only do we seek wisdom to know who God is, but we seek wisdom to know him so that our hearts might be transformed and our character might reflect his glorious purposes. So let me ask you, to whom are you being attentive to every day as a way to help you keep on going? Is it God and his word? Or is it something else? Are you being attentive to his created gifts? Or are you being attentive to him as your creator? Does your heart truly desire to be with him every single day? See, no one else has words that breathe forth life and bring healing to your soul. Only God does. And his words are trustworthy and sufficient for all of life. Apostle Paul said it like this in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, that God-breathed word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Our growth for godly transformation and constant maturity in the faith is only possible if we day in and day out, week in and week out, commune with God. 
listening to him every day through his word. Being attentive to the word of God has a target. And that target is knowing God and to be changed by him. Which leads me to ask, what is the true reason we should be attentive to store up God's word in our hearts? Answer, so that you and I can be vigilant by it. Point number two, be vigilant by the word. Be vigilant by the word. Verses 23 and 24 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and devious talk far from you. To overcome the schemes of the enemy, we must always grab the sword of the Spirit, the Bible, and strike. To modify sinful flesh, we must always be subject to God's will. You cannot overcome sin, sin and evil by your own power and strength. It is only possible when we entrust ourselves to the one who has the power over sin and death. We only know God by his word, and we can only hear him through his word. As we seek to guard the source of our identity in life, which is our hearts, we must always be vigilant by the word of God. A failure to be vigilant by God's word is a failure of not guarding your heart. Church, your heart is fragile. And the enemy is stronger than you. He always stands ready to attack those who are not vigilant by the word. But let, let us all be encouraged this morning that the one in us and the one in you is stronger than he who is in the world. The liberation of Christianity is certainly a matter of togetherness. Yet the practice of that liberty must never undermine our individual practice of our pursuit of holiness. The secular media are not necessarily sinful. They're just doing their job. But we should not be consumed by it to be vigilant. All the movie resources like Netflix, HBO, Hulu, Peacock, etc., are not necessarily sinful, but we should not be consumed by them to be vigilant. Social media is not necessarily sinful, but we should not be consumed or be attached to them in order to be vigilant. All these things can tempt us to obey the passions of the flesh. They do not or cannot help us to protect our hearts. Of course, all God's good gifts and perfect gifts are great, but we should 
never be consumed by them or be attached to them as a sufficient means of helping us to be vigilant. Church, if you want vigilance, you should always be consuming your heart, always consuming your heart by the truth of God's word alone. The spirit who spoke through Solomon encourages us here today to be vigilant in guarding our hearts. Because our hearts flows the springs of life. You might be asking yourself, well, how is that even possible? How can your heart and my heart flow the springs of life? Well, as a Christian, remember you were once dead in your trespasses and sins. Remember that you were once following the devil, chasing after worldly passions and pleasures, meaning that your heart was not flowing the springs of life. Remember that you were once drenched with the enemy in darkness. But God became rich in mercy and caused you to be born again by the Spirit of Christ through the power of his word. Listen to how Jesus puts in John chapter 7, uh, verse 37 to 38. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said. Which scripture? Proverbs 4, verse 23. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you are in Jesus, the perfect Lord who kept on going, if you believe in him, your heart has already been renewed. And if you are a Christian this morning, praise God that he has made you a Christian. Your heart has been made alive together with Christ. And it is now flowing with springs of life because of what God has done for you at the cross of Jesus Christ through his sacrificial death and resurrection. What a glorious gospel to give praise to the Lord too. So Christian, please maintain that spring of life heart by always being vigilant by the word of God. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ today, we are very glad that you are here today. But listen to this call from 2 Peter 3 verse 9. Peter says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. 
You cannot keep on going if you haven't started going yet. And so I pray that this day will be the day of salvation for you. But as for you followers of Jesus Christ, we should always aim to keep on going. This is the command of all Christians. This command of being vigilant is a command of all Christians. Doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord. Doesn't matter if you've been walking with the Lord 10 weeks or 50 years. To be attentive to the word and to be vigilant by the word is an ongoing process until the, re- the day you reach glory. The final, perfect, eternal rest- resting place for all believers. Do not let pride creep in to tempt you, thinking that you got it under control. Listen, to, listen again to how Jerry Bridges articulate about this when he said, as we grow in the Christian life, we face increasing danger of spiritual pride. We know the correct doctrines, the right methods and the proper do's and don'ts. But we may not see the poverty of our own spiritual character. We may not see our critical and unforgiving spirit, a habit of backbiting or our tendency to judge others. We may become like the Laodiceans of whom our Lord said, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Listen, no one can outgrow or graduate from the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and his gospel. No one. We cannot have fellowship with the darkness while all the more expect to have communion with the true light. Vigilance by the word of God means vigilance of guarding your heart by action. Your heart should reflect whom you follow. And if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, my question to you is, regarding your character is, does your mouth and the way you talk to other people lead to biblical encouragement? Does your speech love others with the truth of Scripture? Or do you talk recklessly curse, judge, and gossip on other people. See, verse 24 commands us to refrain from crooked and devious talk. Jesus once said this in Mark chapter 7, that it's not about what goes in a person that defiles a person, but what comes out a person. The way we talk to people matters to God. 
And so let us walk by the truth of Colossians verse 6. Colossians 4 verse 6, which says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. How do we keep on going? Third point. Be steady on the path. Be steady on the path. Look again with me in verses 25 to 27. It says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. The picture of this metaphor is of someone who keeps on going by having his eyes or her eyes on the goal. When you know for certain that you are going somewhere, you cannot allow yourself to be distracted by looking somewhere else. Proverbs 17, verse 24 says, the discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. On May 6, 1954, there was an athlete named Roger Bannister who became the first man to run a sub-four-minute mile. Sub-four-minute mile means running a mile in four minutes or under. That's way too fast. If I, if I was to do that, I think all my legs would crumble. But on, a month later, a guy named John Landy came and broke Roger's record. In August that same year, both Roger and John lined up alongside each other to compete against each other in what was called a miracle mile, the race of the century. John Landy was ahead as they both approached the finish line, but as he, John Landy, was approaching the end of the line, he began to think about Roger's position. So just before he crossed the line, he allowed himself to glance over his shoulder, and as he did so, Roger Bannister cruised past him to win the race. Reflecting on that moment, Landy later said, I would have won the race if I had not looked back and taken my eyes off the goal. Better a heart that is vigilant and guarded by the word of God will always have their eyes fixed on the goal. And as you gaze upon the goal, you will be motivated to guard your heart even more by the word of God as you see the day drawing near. Be steady on the path and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Oh, Christian, 
we will make it. One day we'll see Jesus face to face. By his grace, God himself will carry us through. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. To ponder something in verse 26 is to examine it. It implies of being careful while staying focused on the glorious day. As you dedicate yourself to be steady on a path, you must ponder the path with which you walk in. There is a path set before you in which you must stay in. But it is a path that there is all sorts of people who can fail you and not point you to the truth and things that would distract you and cause you to wander off from the path. And so a heart that is grounded on heavenly wisdom is a heart that enables your eyes and your feet to be firmly steady on the path set before you by Jesus. But if we do not protect our hearts, we will find ourselves easily tossed to and fro by the waves. Sin and evil has its own path, and it is a path that leads to death. You and I have been rescued from sin and death and have been placed on a new path because of Jesus Christ and his gospel. And that path is the path of the hard, narrow gate that leads to life. And it is a path worth following. This Christian life is not a life of automatic life. It is not a life of cruise control type of life. It is a life that calls us to work out our own salvation. So Christian, press on and fight and keep on going. Bethel Baptist Church, keep on going. All you saints of the Lord, keep on going. If you're not a Christian this morning, start going by looking to Jesus and his glorious gospel for sinners like you and me. Hold very closely to God's word to help you keep on going. Grab it, open it every day, and let God speak and nourish your soul. And as he speak, be attentive to what he says. And, as, and what he said, let, you, let what he says be a transformation to your heart and continue changing your character be, to be more like his character. Be vigilant by what he says to help you overcome sinful flesh and the obstacles in the way. And as you walk, as you walk in this faith, in this life, in this world, look to him and be steady on the path as you wait and see the glorious day drawing near. Christian, God has provided a necessary means of his word to help us keep on going. Praise be to the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for his glorious gift. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Let us pray.